I want to take you back a few years to 1994 and the TV show Seinfeld. This show was extremely popular. Everyone watched it. It was season six, episode number six. In this episode, George Costanza has a new girlfriend, and he's at a luncheon at her mother's house, which is attended by several of her mother's friends. George is doing his best to make a good impression. His jokes are well-timed. He's very complimentary to all the older ladies. He's really doing great. They love him. But if you remember George, he always seems to find a way to mess up. As he's bringing some dishes into the kitchen, he happens to notice in the trash can, sitting on top of the other trash, is a partially eaten eclair. Now, this is a type of pastry with delicious cream in the middle and topped with chocolate icing. He sees it, and he thinks about it for a second, and then he reaches into the trash can and picks it up. And of course, as he does this, his girlfriend's mother comes in and sees him take it out of the trash and take a bite from it. Well, you can guess where it goes from there. Lots of backpedaling, explaining, rationalizing. George explained that it wasn't really in the trash, it was more like on top of the trash. And it was still in its little paper doily, so it hadn't even touched anything else. And he knew the person who had already taken a bite from it. It's the kind of comedy you'd expect from a TV show, and what made it funny is that it would almost never happen in real life. But just for a minute, put yourself in that same situation. Would you be a little bit tempted to just pull out that delicious pastry and take a quick bite, especially if you knew no one would ever find out? I would guess that for most people, the answer would probably still be a no. But my guest today is not like most people. You're about to meet Ricky. Ricky is well-educated, fully employed, married, and he can certainly afford to buy food. But he doesn't spend any money at the grocery store because he gets his food for free. By now, you might be able to guess where it comes from. Real people in unreal situations. There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom. My friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire. If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you. And he was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. And I jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? Hey, it's Scott, and guess what? You're about to hear an ad, and that's both good and bad. It's good because ads are what make it possible for me to keep bringing you these episodes, and it's bad because, well, maybe you don't like listening to ads, and I get that. And the good news is, you don't have to. When you sign up to support the show, you get every single episode without any ads. Plus, you get all the bonus episodes. Yeah, did you know there are actually bonus episodes? And you can try it all for free just to see what it's like. If you're on an iPhone, just go to the What Was That Like podcast and at the top, click on Try Free and you're in. 
on Android, just go to whatwasthatlike.com slash plus and try it out completely free. Once you've had the ad-free experience, you'll see why hundreds of other listeners are already doing it. But for now, here's another ad, and then on with today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I have lots of questions, but I want to start with this one. How many bags of potato chips do you own at the moment? It's a good question. It's relevant. I, uh, between, between my pantry, which I completely have filled up probably there's 30 to 40 snack size bags of potato chips in there of different varieties. I like variety. And, uh, I had to move some down to my basement area in the laundry room to, to, uh, my wife's chagrin. And, um, there's a entire box filled with about 40 bags. So I started getting a bigger overflow downstairs yeah. Uh, had to hide those from her. So you are never going to run out of chips. That's for sure. I, I don't think so. No. no, I don't think so. All right. I want to talk about how this whole thing began. And as I understand, it started when you were working in a restaurant. Yeah. So throughout college, I think like most people got in the restaurant industry and what kind of started happening was, you know, sometimes you go into work a little bit hungry or you get an appetite while you're working and you're bussing tables and you're taking plates away. And you'd be just surprised at the food waste that people are just leaving all this good stuff on their plate. And as long as it wasn't like a soup, um, which you know, for some reason I, I do have boundaries. And so if it wasn't something like that, let's call it even like a steak. Well, if I'm honest, I would uh, cut off the part that the customer was enjoying and then I would have it. And so I was starting to eat things like shrimp, chicken, even salmon, burgers, of course, fries, those kinds of things for free. And while I was working in the restaurant industry, you know, it's pretty good money tip wise anyways. But then I was starting to not have to like buy food. And so that was great. I would be around people after shift and they'd be they'd be paying for their food and here I am eating off people's plates for free. And so it was kind of satisfying just in the sense like you know I'm pretty frugal. So I was able to save money, but then also like it became this weird sense of adventure which I'll kind of also link to the diving. And so it's almost like you're for lack of a better term like hunting for food, like you're looking around and you're trying to find stuff. And it was kind of fun. And I know some listeners can at least understand what I'm talking about because I was not the only one who did this in the restaurant industry. So I thought I was, and I thought I was weird. And then when I started telling people or people saw me, I would say, and I'm not trying to gross anyone out who's never worked in the restaurant industry, more people eat off plates than you think. I'll just put it that way. So I would not have guessed that, really. Yeah. And I mean, definitely when food comes out to your table 
and maybe there's French fries on it. You know, maybe a French fry or two will go missing on the way to the table. But of course, most people see that as different because it just came out of the kitchen. Do you remember the first time you did that? Like, was it something that just looked really good and you thought, man, I'm just going to go ahead and do that? Yeah, and it was it, it was a burger because uh, I do because it was like a person who took like a couple bites out of it and they said they don't want it. So I I'm taking it to the back and I'm about to throw away to what I perceive as a pretty much and you know full it's a full size burger here. This is a meal, and so I'm thinking you know if I was sitting down with a friend and they were gonna say they didn't want this burger, would I eat it? And the answer was yes. Now, I don't really know this customer that well, but I, you know, I have a little bit of rapport with them. I've met them. Uh, they don't look too dirty. And so I end up trying it. And I'll say this full disclosure. And I did this for years. You know, I was in the restaurant industry for five or six years. I never once got sick, uh, at least food poisoning wise. I never got food poisoning and it, it got pretty bad near the end. <laughs> I, was eat, I was eating a lot of food. But yeah, that was kind of the introduction with that mindset of like, would I do this with a friend or family member? And if the answer was yes, I would do it. And that's what I mean, not to be redundant, but things like a soup, probably wouldn't eat my friend's soup or my family's soup. I don't know why. There's something with the the liquid. Yeah, yeah, because there's a potential for, for a little bit of backwash there. There we go. Right? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, that was I, it. I love it that your standard for uh approval is they didn't look that dirty exactly yeah <laughs> oh yeah what did did the restaurant have a policy about this it's anything stated that they said don't do this or do it or it's a health code violation so even if the restaurant for some reason didn't you know let's say forbid it or whatever you're definitely not supposed to the thing is the people who enforce health code they come around once a year and they're not looking for things like that you know when they're there they're looking for things in the kitchen and they're not following around employees looking at them. And since you know when you're there, my goodness, are you asking just to both have the restaurant shut down, you get fired and fined by them if you were to eat off a plate while they're present. Again, though, it's like a one day event. You, you, you would never do that. So my manager one time, uh, I went to the back and he saw me in the hallway and I was trying to slam this food before I had to go back out to my table. And he just stared at me and he said, come here. And he pulled me in his office and he said, look, I don't ever want to see you doing that again. We could get shut down if you do that. And he gave me, you know, the whole spiel. And I just nodded my head politely. And I just either didn't do it when he was around or waited till he wasn't in the area. You know, so it's like it didn't scare me enough to make me stop. But if that says anything, man, management is not a fan of it. It's like I said, I don't know how you feel about it hearing it, but people are already usually grossed out as it is, let alone seeing their employees doing it. So how did you get the first idea of dumpster diving? I mean, what was the leap in logic from eating the food left on the table to eating from the big dumpster out behind the restaurant? I think to at least link kind of like conceptually what what I think is similar. It's like I said, it, it became very satisfying to to eat for free. I, I can say with with confidence, you know, on my work days, my grocery or food bill was nothing. I didn't mind doing some like intermittent fasting or if I had an early shift, I would just eat at work. It literally became a consistent 
thing that I knew I could eat at work. And so that's satisfying, at least for me. Again, I'm a frugal guy, so I was able to save money. Sometimes I would use to-go boxes, and so I would take food home. So what ended up happening was my grocery bill was just dwindling, which again is satisfying. And then I'm getting this variety of food. Like I said, it's, it's kind of the sense of like, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know. You know, it's like kind of a nice surprise, if you will. Then I was on a subreddit um, that happened to be for dumpster diving. And I I was just like, what is like, it just seems so weird to me. I thought this was for like thrown out furniture and whatnot. And sure enough, there is a group of people that refuse to do what I do and they still dumpster dive. So they consider themselves divers, but they they only go for like, again, furniture or items that they can resell or refurbish or something like that. They think what I do is disgusting. And then there's people that kind of do both. I would like to, I just don't know where to find the furniture. It's, it seems a little bit more difficult. And so I'm on the subreddit and I'm like, you know, there are some dumpsters near, near the gym that I go to because it's kind of in a shopping center. And I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take a peek. I'm just gonna kind of see, see what's in there. So I'm just walking around. Um, I usually walk to the gym. And there's a dumpster that's associated with with a pretty big chain grocery store, and there was no lock on it, which I will share in a second that that can become one of the more frustrating things about this. And so I go over there, and I open it up, and there is a entire bag of uh, bagels and donuts. And I mean, it's full. There is There is no other trash around it. There's no other trash in this. It's as if somebody literally just put all their pastries in this and I'll call it a trash bag. <laughs> I get that. But I mean, it's a, it's a plastic bag. And again, it, to me, a lot of this is mindset. So I, I reach in there and I grab a donut and I eat it and it was, it was delicious and it was free. And so it's like, so I also just like found this. So I go back to kind of feels like treasure hunt i mean in this weird way it's like i i found this like thing that uh i didn't expect and so that's like a pleasant surprise so i ate it gave me a nice workout for the gym right a donut for a pre-workout and so i do that and as i'm walking away i'm like wait that was full of bagels and donuts like i had one but i'm like that thing was full but i just kind of left and i'm like no biggie you know and i didn't feel grossed out again because if you can imagine like what I said, it, it's not, it's not touching any other trash. And, and this isn't raw meat. I mean, these are, these are pastries. Have you ever eaten a pastry that sat on your counter for a couple of days or bread that's been out for a week? I know that I have, and I didn't see any mold on it and it wasn't stale. That's, that is the shocking part about this is the amount and types of food that these companies throw away. And it's frustrating to be honest. So that's kind of how it, that's how it started. Yeah. I'm just picturing reactions to people that are hearing this. I mean, for some people, I can imagine that, or in your mindset that it's like, man, this is, there's nothing wrong with this food and it's free and it tastes great and I can eat it and it's okay. Yeah. And other people can imagine if they had just taken something out of a dumpster <laughs> and eaten it, it's like, like a little bit of their soul just died or something, oh, you know, like yeah. what, wh where am I at in my life right now that I'm eating out of a dumpster? 
but you know everything you're describing you're right it's a it's a mindset i mean if somebody didn't know the difference between that or something that somebody handed them inside the restaurant or inside the the bakery or grocery store they really wouldn't know the difference but it's a, it's just mental it, it is funny like especially being in the restaurant industry so long Again, you get a plate full of fries. A couple of those probably went missing from the kitchen staff before it reached you. It goes back to what I said that that's sort of like the satisfying feelings I, I get just overall. Um, that's why I do it. And yeah, I mean, saving money is nice. Don't get me wrong. But I want to save from, you know, right now, like I can afford groceries. That That's not that's not the issue. So and I, and I think that might be a little pertinent because I know some people, they might be picturing me. <laughs> You know, as well, that's of course you're you're doing this kind of like a it's kind of like a game, sort of. But yeah. other people may be doing it because they really need the food. D do you ever do you run into people like that? Yeah, and that can be the embarrassing part, just because I'm pulling up in my car and I find so time of day can be important. Sometimes it's admittedly better to do it during daytime hours or middle of the day, people seem to be less suspicious. If you can imagine that they're not really looking for it. If they see you and you're, you look presentable and you're near a dumpster, they really just think you're throwing something away and they're moving on. So they don't, they don't stop and talk to you. I've actually never been talked to yet by a company or other people. I've gotten some weird looks, but again, if I'm doing it during the day, Nothing has happened yet. And then even I'm being practical. Workers are busy. Like they're in the store doing things. So I think that's also why I do it then. Also, though, at night can be a better haul because usually these places throw out their food at the end of the day. And I'm talking both restaurants and grocery stores. So when I've gone at night, I pull up my car and I've, <laughs> I've encountered some people that I'll say are are not necessarily in the same circumstances I am. They are homeless. They literally have a shopping cart. I've seen guys with bicycles. What's funny is they have a headlamp. I use my cell phone light. And if that already says something, right, the difference. But they have a headlamp. So they also know what they're doing. But I can tell that they're homeless. And I just kind of give them a nod and move on. Because I don't want them to think I'm security trying to tell them to stop. And I'm also not trying to overstep because they probably do need it, like more than I do, at least. Well, and especially because I've already said it's not a need for me. Right. So when I've encountered homeless people, I actually try to be respectful and I don't engage with them because I don't want them, again, to be freaked out. And I don't want them to think I'm overstepping uh, almost on their turf, I guess. And so I'll just either come back at a different time or I'll just go to a different, a different spot. What are the actual legalities of this? Is it against the law or is it based on the, the local ordinances or what? Yeah. And here's what's tricky. And um, that's why I'm definitely not telling anybody to do this. So I think a lot of people have heard certain case law where lawyers or attorneys have gotten documents out of trash cans and it's been upheld in court. So my understanding with things like that is if the trash can is out on public property and that's the key part, then legally anybody has access to it. And I, I don't know the, the verbiage that well. People will have to look it up. Here's the problem, though. What I just described, that shopping center, 
is that public property. No, it's not. Right. So these dumpsters are, to be honest, almost entirely on private property. And the reason I at least wanted to clarify that is more that I'm not jumping gates. I'm not going over fences. There are dumpsters behind gates and fences. I'm not going to do that because I just think also that's another level of security. And so I don't want to put myself in a position where I could get in legal trouble. Essentially, if the dumpster is out in the open, but again, it's like maybe on the property of a shopping center, I think legally that's trespassing or illegally, uh, it's not stealing because they are, it's not theirs anymore. They are throwing it away. And if anything, it's probably the trash company's property at that point. And so I'm, I wish I had a better answer for you. And you'd think someone like me would want to be more well-versed in it. But my understanding is that at the most it's trespassing. However, that needs to come from the property manager. I do know that. So let's say a cop does come by and they stop me. They're not going to cite me because there's really no victim in the crime, but they will probably tell me like, you need to get out of here. Like this isn't, you don't belong here. This isn't yours. But that's why I said time of day is important. So I think when you do it during the day, there's less of a risk. But yeah, if I'm pulling up my car past midnight and I'm rummaging through the dumpster, I'm probably going to get told to move along and it hasn't happened yet. And from the stories I've read online, that's what happens. And then funny enough, if you get caught by employees, sometimes they feel bad for you and they'll actually (laughs) go get some more stuff for you because they're like, man, this guy's dumpster diving. I got to go get him the good stuff from inside. So that could happen too. But when I say it's a gray area, it's probably more black and white than I'm saying. But the best advice I saw online is it's only illegal if you get caught. So that's why you just kind of got to be careful. I do. Last thing I'll say about it is, you know, a big thing is security cameras. So I try to go to places that don't have security cameras in back. Um, it's kind of nice of COVID that I we have to wear masks all the time anyway, so my face is usually covered. But I just don't really want to be recorded. It's not even just for me, you know, for my sake. It's more that maybe loss prevention is watching, and then they see, and then they do call the cops. I'm just trying to lower my risk as much as possible. So I almost entirely avoid spots that have cameras out back whether i know they're working or not i just don't want to deal deal with that i I like the idea of going during the day and it seems to me like if i was going to do this i would carry a clipboard all the time (laughs) you know that just seems like it you well obviously that guy's doing something official he's supposed to be there he's carrying a clipboard oh there we go yeah i should have a i should have like a disguise (laughs) yeah yeah and i've I've heard uh, this is kind of an aside but I've heard some people say, and I think there are some people that did YouTube videos to experiment with this, is if you're carrying a ladder, you can get in anywhere. You know, these guys walked into a movie theater carrying a ladder, and they could they went anywhere they wanted to go because it looked like they were just there to, to fix something. So, yeah. yeah, it's sometimes hiding out in the open is the best concealment. When, when you do this, I mean, the phrase is dumpster diving. Do you actually get inside the dumpster or do you use some kind of grabber thing or how do you get the stuff out? Sometimes I just kind of like jump and my waist will kind of teeter the edge and I'll kind of be balance, do a little balancing act, if you will. And I'll kind of just reach in if it's high enough. I mean, sometimes it's so high you're just standing outside kind of going through some stuff. 
What I've found though is some of these, you know, some of these dumpsters are rather large. And the difficult part can be getting the getting the stuff out. You know, if you don't have a box with you or if you don't have a, you know, some sort of shopping or grocery bag, you're carrying all that stuff out. And you can imagine, you know, the lips on these things are already about like four and a half, five feet high. So how are you going to be able to, you can't set it down on the ground. So it's essentially holding on to it and trying to climb out, which is, you know, requires, I'd like to think some skill, but it probably doesn't look so graceful when I'm doing it. Well, once you've had a little bit of practice, it's probably kind of second nature to you. It it feels like it at this point. Yeah. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1. And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut. With Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic, go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com/what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com/what. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And so I'm going home and I was thinking to myself again, like, well, wait, you know, I'm, I'm in the shopping center pretty often throughout the week. And I started thinking about the different food shops there. And I kind of realized there, there was more, you know, there's, there's more than I thought, especially when you're not thinking you're going to buy the stuff, you're looking for free stuff. So I was like, okay, so I'll check behind this pizza spot. There was, I know I already said donut, but again, that was a grocery store. And there's actually a specialty donut shop, which which uh, is my favorite, by the way. And then there's the quintessential Starbucks. I don't think I'm giving away my location saying that. And other various types of places like that. So I'm like, I'm gonna check this out the next day. I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can do with this. So I go back the next day, and lo and behold, the grocery store dumpster is locked. And I was like, what in the heck? And so I did look that up. And, you know, you talked legality before. If something is locked, don't try to get in it because that is definitely saying we don't want you inside this. And so I was like, I'm not even going to tempt fate. I am just going to walk away from that one. So I walk away from it and I'm like, you know, that that donut was pretty good yesterday. I wonder what the donut shop does with their donuts. So I go over there. And I felt like I struck gold. You know, I keep saying this is like treasure hunting. So I pull out just a similar looking. Again, it's a trash bag. I get it. But I open it up and this thing is filled to the brim with like any kind of donut that you can think of. I mean, maple covering, sugar, jelly filled, all this stuff. And so I struggle with binge eating as it is. And I just go to town. I think I had about eight donuts until I realized what I was doing to myself. Because if you can picture it, there's probably 50 or 60 donuts in here. So then I had to ask myself an important question like, okay, I may have hit an unlimited food source and I'm, I'm jumping kind of ahead, but I mean, that's almost how it was feeling. Even in that moment, I'm like, wait a minute. If I could, I could, cause I could just, I mean, couldn't eat all of them, but it's like, this is a lot of food. So then that's more than one gym workout for there sure. There we go. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pack some of these up for later. So then and what's kind of nice about these donut shops, you know, there's parchment paper and that kind of stuff. So I wrap a few up and then I still still go to the gym. It sounds so bad cuz I mean, I mean donuts, but so then I go get my workout in and then I leave and I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. I only checked two dumpsters. Like there's more here." So then there happens to be a barbecue spot that smokes their own meat. And I'm like, man, barbecue sounds amazing. And I didn't think I was going to get anything. Honestly, my mindset was like, you know, uh, I mean, beggars can't be choosers. And I go over to the barbecue spot and I look in their dumpster and there is a bag full of aluminum foil. And at first I'm like, okay, so it's just trash. And then I remember and I'm like, wait, 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 when people smoke meat, they usually do it with aluminum foil. And so I, I hop in there And then I open that up and this is all their burnt meat, like meat that's overcooked and dried out and they don't want. 
And, you know, I'm telling you, again, I used to eat off restaurant tables, but this was untouched meat. Like it was full slabs of ribs, pork shoulder and brisket. And I mean, it's as good as it sounds, but it's definitely overcooked. Like I could tell that this was essentially stuff that again was, was thrown out with that intention. And so it was still warm because it's wrapped up in aluminum foil. And so I have some of it and it's delicious. I mean, this is barbecue meat and stuff like that. I'm still full from the baker's dozen I just ate earlier. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to wrap this up and take it home. So now I'm going home with a handful of donuts and honestly, probably a pound or two of meat. And we're, we're talking barbecue meat. It was good. And I bring it home and I, I know I'm not going to get through all of it. So I put some in the fridge, some in the freezer. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't, I don't think I need to go grocery shopping in the next few days. That kind of hit me early on. And this is honestly within the first two days of me doing this. And it's the same shopping center that I went to. That's, that's part of what I was going to ask you is what, what's your theory on why is this stuff thrown out? And in this case with the meat, it was because it was overcooked. But for the other stuff, the prepackaged food or maybe the donuts or bagels and stuff like that, is it because they've expired or they're just past the date or is it something else? So it's, it's fascinating to me because between the range of food I get, it's like I said, I, I could probably stock some shelves with the amount of chips that I have. And those, those chips, what I found out that were getting thrown away, they have a best buy date, which, you know, I don't know how familiar people are with, with some of these dates. But Best Buy does not mean expired. It literally just means that the quality of product is Best Buy the state. I've heard of other countries actually selling these products at a discounted price. I mean, even your, your bigger chains will have their discount shelves, right? But if you look at the dates, whenever it reaches that date or past, they get rid of the food is what I've found. So usually those discount shelves, it's like approaching within a couple days, maybe that week. But with the chips that I have, yeah, full disclosure, they're past the best buy date, but they're also sealed and they're highly processed. And so when I open them, you can't tell the difference. And that's at least the case with those. When it comes to other things, and Starbucks has become one of my favorites, and I actually worked at Starbucks when I was younger. So they put stickers on their packaged food items and that's more of a best buy date, but they treat it like an expiration. And so they will throw out food that has just not sold. And again, it's packaged, it's sealed. And, and I'm talking about there maybe like a sausage sandwich or something like that. And so if they don't sell by the date, they throw it away. And it's not expired, you know, in the sense of like the food hasn't gone bad. They're just afraid, my understanding, of selling it to somebody they eat it and get sick and then sue them. And so rather than deal with that, they just get rid of it. And then there is food that does go by the expiration date. And you, you have to be careful with that, right? Because I think at least I definitely have, but most people have eaten food past the expiration. It's typically safe. However, I do think some of those dates should be abided by, especially when we're talking like meat products. And that's kind of the range of things you get. So you get familiar with the food and then you get familiar with kind of like companies and, and even their policies from the outside, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. I, some pe- I think some people can place too much emphasis on an expiration date. I mean, it's not like it's going to be after midnight that day, all of a sudden it's bad. And I think when they make those dates, they probably pack a little bit of margin in there as well, because some people are going to go and eat it past that date anyway. So with all this food right off the bat, what's going through your head? You must be thinking, man, I'm never going to have to buy food again. Right. So, and that's what I mean. Like, you know, speaking from a frugal mindset, I'm like, well, this is going to, this is going to help my budget. Like that's, that's going to be great. And what was also going through my head, you know, the reason I bring it up so much, I I do want to say something like fitness is very important to me and staying in good shape. And so what I kind of realized was I almost have to be careful. And so this kind of became just like another errand, if that makes sense. At first it was totally a game. And now it was sort of this mix of adventure, but kind of duty. I don't want to just be another consumer. I don't want to be essentially just adding to that problem. And of course, I've at least heard the story of somebody eating their food and then their grandma saying, finish your food. They're starving people in Africa. And then the person goes, well, then send it to Africa. You know, you know, I don't live in Africa, so I can't help those starving people. But we can still do something on our end. And then there's also the impact on the environment. Because producing food and making more food, if you can imagine all this is going thrown out, we could actually produce less food, which would also help our carbon imprint. So, I mean, holistically, was that my mindset from the beginning? Absolutely not. I'm not trying to say I'm a great person. But as time has gone on and I've looked more into this, it's kind of become bigger in that sense. And like my mindset has expanded to different areas and it's become satisfying in those different ways as well. Yeah, I can see the socially conscious aspect makes it easier to rationalize doing something that you want to do anyway. As an educated person, you're kind of like me. You like to strategize and you brought a spreadsheet into yes. it. What's on that spreadsheet? So it's a, it's a Google sheet. I love me some Google Drive. And I realized I'll go to some of these, again, dumpsters, they're locked. And I'm like, ah, well, I don't want to come back here. So I said I just was doing the shopping center, but then I also mentioned that sometimes I'll pull my car up. So I will check out other uh, establishments, primarily Certain grocery stores I've found are better than others. Pastry shops are are fantastic. And I'll even go to certain fast food places. And pizza. Pizza has been one of my also favorites and places that I go to. So I'm going to all these different locations. Well, I don't know about the area you live in, but the trash pickup days in my neighborhood are actually kind of different from each house. I'm not sure why. The city doesn't contract any sort of like trash pickup. So we all have to get our own. So some people put their trash out on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever. Oh, cause it's private companies and they go by their own schedule. Exactly. And so I've noticed all these spots like throughout the area do that as well for the businesses. And so, you know, one day it'll be like jackpot and I'll have all the food in the world in there. But then the other day that I go, it's empty. And that can just be frustrating because in some sense, I'm just wasting my time. And then again, it's the, it's the sense of adventure, right? That it's this, what am I going to get today? And then I open it and nothing. It's like, oh man, I just got 
essentially blue balls from dumpster diving. So I didn't want to do that anymore. And I made this spread, I made this spreadsheet and I essentially just kept track of the company where the, well, the, where the dumpster's at, like the address essentially. And then I started keeping track of <laughs> the good days. And I just literally, if Monday was a good day, I just put M. And then I had another column for pickup days when I found it empty. So maybe it's empty on a Tuesday. So put a T. And so I started jotting down what it was that I was getting from each store. And so that's pretty much it. It was simple, but it helped me stay organized. And it actually helped streamline this quite a bit to the point where I don't really have to check out new spots now. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, self-sustainable from where I'm at. I don't have to waste, if I want to call it waste, the time of checking out different spots and then getting frustrated and not finding anything. It's like somebody that fishes. And now that you've got, you've been to all the places many times, you know where all the good fishing spots are. I know all the spots. No point in wasting time experimenting with, with things like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I appreciate the, the positive spin because I'll tell you, not everybody views this in such a good, good light. So. Well, I'm personally, I'm not sure that I would do it, but I do find it really interesting though. And, um, boy, I wish I knew someone who was into it like you are that lived here locally in the Tampa Bay area that does this. If anybody's listening and is here in this area, I'd like to just accompany you sometime, maybe not to do it, but just to watch and, you know, see what you find. When you're out exploring, do you have guidelines, you know, like, like one thing touching another or certain types of foods. You mentioned soup earlier off the uh, restaurant tables. Is there, th is there things like that that you just won't take? Yeah. When it comes to things like produce, and and I mean it, when you think of the food waste, I, it would almost behoove some of the listeners, if they just want to YouTube dumpster diving or freegan or something like that, the amount of food that gets thrown out, it, it is, it's pretty sad. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, you just see all this stuff. So, when it comes to produce, I usually stick to things with a skin. So I literally am still going through an insane amount of bananas. I actually had to freeze a lot of them. Uh, and freezer is your, is your best friend when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, so bananas are great. You can peel them. Uh, melons. I'll even do apples and stuff. And it's what you said. What is it touching? What is it on? A lot of this is in the produce box still. So it's still in the boxes. And what I'll do is I'll just kind of rummage around. And if anything, you know, it's already in the trash. If anything has like a blemish or mark or bruise on it, I toss it. I'm going to tell you though, you, you would be shocked how good of condition this fruit and vegetables can be. You know, I'll get potatoes and all those kinds of things. So I'll just kind of scrub them and clean them really well before and I'll inspect them. And those are the kinds of things I will get so long as it's on the top and it's sort of like packaged or obviously not touching other trash or touching the ground or touching the dumpster. I'll take that. Um, I know some, some places will, I know grocery stores, you know, in the produce department, they will, if, if there's a fruit or a vegetable or something that is perfectly good and fresh, but it's an odd shape, they'll throw it out. Because they know people will look at that and say, oh, that's different. That's odd. And they, and they won't, it won't sell. Exactly. So there's no point in even keeping it, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. 
as a married person, I have to think of this question. What does your wife think about this hobby? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, or how did you tell her about it? That would be the, and that would have been the wise choice I found later. So I, uh, this was early on. This was like a specialty food store. It was late after work. I, I work kind of a later shift. So you can imagine it's, you know, I'm usually home, uh, whatever. Let's just call it around like one. And this is about one thirty or 2 a.m. now because I'm rubbaging around this. It's taken me a little bit longer to get home. I found a few good things in there, which saved me. And I'll tell you why. So I get home and I'm unloading my finds and my wife, who's usually asleep by the time I get home. In fact, I will actually say she's always asleep. So when I hear her storm out of the bedroom, I think something's wrong. Well, something is wrong. And she comes in the kitchen with her arms folded and she says, where were you? And I was so ashamed of where I actually was. I just pretty much lied and said, I don't know what you're talking about, honey. I was at work tonight. You knew that. She's like, you're over an hour late. Where were you? And I was like, honey, I work tonight. I'm here now. I don't see what the issue is. So her and I, we happen to share our locations on our phone for for no bad reason. We just, you know, would like to know where each other is at if we need to. And so she says, I looked where you were. What were you doing? Were you doing drugs? Were you with somebody? And for a second, letting my wife think I was cheating on her, then that I was dumpster diving was kind of tempting. And I almost left it at that. And I said, no, honey, I can assure you neither of those things. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not cheating on you. I was just, you know, late at work. And she said, no, you weren't. I saw where you were. And then she looked down at the table and she saw that I have, you know, quite a few food products in front of me. And she is just confused because it's, you know, stores are closed. There's food products in front of me. And I wasn't home on time and I was in some weird location. And I said, okay, you know what? If you want me just to be honest, I'm sorry. I was looking through the store's trash and she's like, wait, you were dumpster diving? And I didn't like that she called it that because then I felt, then I did feel dirty. And so I was like, well, I mean, you know, this food was getting thrown out. It wasn't, it wasn't like touching other trash, but sure, it happened to be in a dumpster. And she was relieved, but then disgusted at the same time. And needless to say, she was not thrilled. She said, I'm going to bed. You can tell me about this tomorrow. So thankfully, I'm still married. And she didn't file for divorce after that. But she was she was definitely not, not exactly happy that this was something that I started doing. I'm really curious about the conversation the next morning. I'm sure you had, I mean, you had all night to formulate all the arguments as to why it was okay. Did she buy that? Well, yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the stuff that I've already said on here, right? Like just, you know, you don't know where you get all your food from. And, and I said, you know, if you were there, you'd understand I'm not, I'm not literally digging through trash on trash on trash. Like this is fresh food touching fresh food. And so as I explained it to her, she's like, whatever, it's disgusting. And then, though, it's what I said about the produce that has, like, you know, skins or stuff on it. Well, I started bringing home avocados and certain things like that. You don't eat the skin of an avocado. So products that wouldn't be things that she's going to eat that would have touched the trash, she's not going to have. But something like a banana. She can peel the banana 
And then what's inside, she knows is relatively safe. It's not that it is the most. And so she's actually been open to having some of the things uh, that I bring home. There are other things that she just simply won't have. And although she doesn't find it the most attractive quality about me, she knew what I was doing in the restaurant industry, and it was the same thing. She told me all the time, you're disgusting, you're a trash panda, just like a raccoon. But she would still kiss me at night and just tell me to brush my teeth well. And so she knew what was happening at the restaurant. She knows what I'm doing now. And I think as long as she knows I have kind of those rough guidelines in place that I shared, she she's okay with it. So I will say... We don't tell our friends about it, so she's probably not also proud. But it is what it is at this point. So, I I think she's a keeper. <laughs> I think. I mean, at this I don't know who else is going to take me. So yeah. <laughs> you mentioned you guys don't tell your friends about this. That's part of what really fascinates me about this is the social stigma. Do any of your friends know, or your coworkers, or or do you tell anyone about this? Well, I, I was actually going to open up and share to a couple friends who I'm both close with, and then I just happen to have worked with in the restaurant industry. So I feel like they're, let's just call it like a similar mindset to me, if that makes sense. Like they're not going to look at me and be like, "You what?" They would at least relate, although they may still judge me. I don't know, but they're my best friends. They're not going anywhere. So I want to tell a few of them. You know, other people in my work circles, church circles, all that kind of stuff. Uh, no, I, I don't tell a soul. It's funny. It, it's not that I'm ashamed of it at all. I actually think it's it's both fun and I, I well, I don't wish more people did it because then that's competition, right? I want all the good stuff. But I do feel like I wouldn't mind telling people. And I mean that. But it's what you said, the social stigma. I mean, I'll be honest. It's to a degree that even though I'm not really ashamed of it, if I feel like anybody from work finds out, I don't know if I'd get fired, but especially with just today and a lot of the, you know, society that there's backlash with a social media post, right? People lose their jobs over an opinion on social media. That's right. And it can happen so fast and so unexpectedly. And all of a sudden you're out of a job. And what if you have your boss or your supervisor from work over for dinner and some of the food served came from a dumpster. I guess the first question is, do you even serve that food to guests? And then do you ever tell them where it came from? Yeah, that's there's some kind of like ethical dilemmas, if you will, when it comes to this. That would be quite a dilemma. Yeah, I mean, you know, in your heart and in your mind, this food is safe and good and nutritious. And if I were a guest in somebody's home... I definitely, and that was what was served. I probably wouldn't want to know. <laughs> well, that, that helps me a little bit. But I would say when somebody makes you a dish, you're not asking, where'd you get this? It's usually, hey, how'd you make this? Where'd you find the recipe? I have never served the, the produce that I've described. But I'll be honest with you, the, these prepackaged things, and we were talking chips earlier, right? I actually gave some of these bags of chips away to friends and the way I worded it, I don't, I, I hope I wasn't being dishonest. I said, Hey, these were bags of chips that my local grocery store was throwing out and I'm not going to eat all of them. So I've actually been able to give these away to families in need. Um, I'm part of a Facebook group where in my community we trade things for free and we give things away for free. And full disclosure, the, the chips I have given away Again, I just haven't, I have too much. And so 
I felt okay about that. You know, again, these are things, they're packaged, they're sealed. It's not expired. No one's going to get sick from it. And I actually do think I'm helping people out who need the food. So I have those boundaries in place there. And I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of in between. What if I do have a dinner and I have people over? Do I use some of this food to cook with? Because I'm eating it and I'm fine. My wife eats some of it. She's fine. And I don't know. I, I'm still kind of on the fence with that one, to be honest. So don't come over for dinner. That's, I guess, where we're at at this point. <laughs> I, I just find it so fascinating. It's, I mean, dumpster diving really is a subculture. I know there's a whole subreddit dedicated to it. Have you ever met, aside from the homeless people that you encounter who really need it, have you ever met other people who do it kind of on the same level as you do, who don't really need to do it, but just like doing it? I haven't yet. You know, I will say I don't live in a big city. Some of these videos that people look online in New York specifically, there are groups of people and they go out in small numbers and they'll do this together and they'll actually have a dinner party with the food that they find. And even that sense of community is, is kind of endearing. Like when I see that, I'm like, wow, that's, that's actually like pretty cool. Everybody has to have their social circle, right? I mean, I know, right? We need, we need friends. We need friends. And so nothing like that in my area. But, but again, I don't live in a big city. I don't live in a small town either. It's kind of more medium sized, but I think if I lived in a bigger city, I would do that. Just with my schedule and the area that I'm in, I haven't found that yet. And man, we go back to the stigma. Well, my neighbors and friends that live nearby, I, I just don't see me convincing them. And then let's say I do convince a husband to come along with me. Well, my wife was open to it. Well, I don't know what their wife is going to think or their spouse. And then that's just a whole nother can of worms. And so I haven't, I haven't done that yet. Though, again, those best friends I was describing that I may share with, if they want to join me, hey, the, the more the merrier. I can only take so much home. My, my freezer is full. You know what I mean? Like, I can only have so much food. I've, I've no joke contemplated getting a chest freezer for this, and I'm, I'm not even kidding. So That's, That was one of the next questions I was going to ask you. What does your food inventory at home look like right now? So I got a full stock of potatoes, berries. I just finished my apples. I'm eating surprisingly healthier than I ever have been. And I mean that, like it sounds either paradoxical or ironic, but I'm eating through that right now. In my freezer, I have lots of lunch meat, a lot of the barbecue meat that I said. And I actually, in that specialty store, it was a um, it was around a good time of the holidays. I have some pre-made quiches in there and they are, they look so good and I'm excited to reheat those which is what you get really good at, by the way, when you do this, is finding the best way to reheat things. Do you do you put it in the oven? Do you just do the microwave? Do you do stovetop? So I got all that. Our, our downstairs freezer, we happen to have two. That's got more of the sweets and pastries. I try to keep those away from me just because if, if, they're, if they're out of sight, they're out of mind. If they're in front of me, I'm going to eat them. So we have more of the pastries and stuff downstairs. It's like I was saying earlier, I come across pizza a lot. And so my freezer downstairs, it, it has pizza in it and various other products kind of like that. So it does come to a, it came to a point where I actually have to slow down because I have to just eat the food that I have, but I've happened to been able to get a, if I can call it like a slow rotation of like, you know, refrigerated food that I have to get through that week. 
and then food that I freeze. But I'm not lying to say my freezer is full right now. So that's why I'm, I'm actually kind of backlogged. I need to start, I need to start eating it. So I got to think about you from your mindset when your freezer and fridge and pantry are all full and you really can't take anything in, you have to be thinking, man, I know there's food in those dumpsters and it's just going to waste because nobody's going to get it and I don't have room for it. Yeah. And, and that does go through my mind. It, it goes through both sides, right? Like one of it is all this food's being wasted and there are people that could use it. There are people that are hungry out there. And then there's the other side, what you said, like, I could be getting this. Like, this is stuff that I could be getting. I just don't have room for it. And then so if anything, I have no need for it. And so I then don't want to be the same issue where I'm wasting things. But then that's the dilemma. I'm not wasting. Like, I wasn't the one who initially was the one causing the waste. I don't think. And so you're preaching to the choir on that one. I definitely think that. And you're certainly doing more than your fair share of trying to save what you can. That's for sure. Well, that's a good way. Thank you. You're so you're so positive. You view me in such a positive light, and I, I definitely don't. I definitely don't feel that way when I describe this. So, thank you. I appreciate it. I do try to look at every situation with an open mind. I like to think I'm mostly persuaded by facts and evidence, but in this case. I don't think dumpster diving is going to be my new hobby. I love how Ricky has really gotten into it and looks at it like treasure hunting because he never really knows what he's going to discover. But it's just not for everyone, and that's fine. If you want to learn more about the dumpster diving subculture and see pictures of what other divers are finding, I recommend the subreddit r slash dumpster diving, all one word. I'll link to it in the show notes. The people who post in that group, they are serious about this, and they love their dumpsters. And if you're one of those people who maybe at some point said, yeah, I'll try anything once, then you might be interested in one of my past episodes. It's episode 28, called Shiny Ate His Own Foot. It's the story of a man who invited his group of friends to participate in something that very few people have ever experienced. And most people would probably not want to. Here's a 23-second clip from that episode. I don't remember exactly how that conversation came about, but I do know that I started texting people and saying, hey, remember how we always joked about this? What, what, what would you all think about if we tried it out? And much to my surprise, I had a, a reasonable turnaround. Uh, people are all like, Yep, let's do it. So go check it out. That's episode 28. Let me know what you think. We've had a lot of new subscribers to the show recently, and I want to welcome you to the podcast if you're just now discovering it. My goal for this show is to never be boring. When you subscribe and you look at your phone and you see a new episode is released, I want you to read the title for that new one and think, oh, wow, I have to hear this story. And if you want to actually get in on the discussion of each episode, along with some other thought-provoking conversations, you're welcome to come over to the private Facebook group. At the moment, there are over 1,300 people in there, and new listeners are joining every single day. You can get in at whatwasthatlike.com Facebook. And now we'll close out this episode with this week's listener story. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time. It was early 1986 and my girlfriend and I who 
lived in a very small town in northern Wisconsin, decided to move to Minneapolis. We were musicians at the time, and Minneapolis was in the purple rain phase. It was a global phenomenon, and uh, we wanted to get a piece of that action and try our best. So we moved on down to Minneapolis and lived with my sister in, I guess it would be South Minneapolis, but it was really more towards the inner city of Minneapolis, off of Franklin and Nicollet Avenues in that area, the Stevens Park community. Uh, big brownstone building uh, overlooking Stevens Park, which was a dangerous area, actually. We didn't know that. We were quite naive, little country bumpkins, no street smarts whatsoever. But we were bulletproof and didn't know any better. So we took a lot of risks, as we all do. In that area, turns out there had been a couple murders and what this the perpetrator did was he would ring the buzzer on these brownstone buildings, wait for somebody to buzz him in, and then get up to his evil deeds, which was breaking into somebody's apartment and then murdering the people. Pretty nasty stuff. We um, moved about two blocks away, more towards there's a, I think it's called the Minneapolis Institute of the Arts, or there's a museum down there south of Franklin Avenue. Uh, in between Franklin Avenue and that museum, there's a street. And the the apartment complex that we moved into was a small, small affair. It was only eight units, four on the bottom, four on the top. It was a sort of a 1920s, 1930s art deco building. And the front was all plate glass, quite beautiful. But the owner didn't want to put locks on the doors because the doors are solid glass. So uh, he didn't want to bother putting any sort of security on. So we probably had the only building in South Minneapolis that didn't have security, security doors, which was very, very unsafe. As a result of that, uh, the woman that lived across the, the hall from us, she was a nurse. And when she'd get home at night, she'd knock on the door of the woman that lived below us and they would walk up together. There are two sets of stairs going to the second floor, one in the front and one in the back. And on the night that this event happened, luck would have it that they showed up at the exact moment that the person that fit the description of the murderer was at our door. It was the middle of the night, I'm sure quite after 12, 1 o'clock in the, in the evening, middle of summer, stinking hot. My girlfriend and I were fast asleep. We had the uh, floor fan on high, so we couldn't hear anything, except we heard the very loud pounding on our door. I bolted up and ran to the door and looked at the peephole, and it was the police. Opened the door and said, can I help you? And they said, concerned looks on their faces, are, are you okay? Everything okay in there? And, yep, everything's fine. Why? What's, what's happening? Well, sir, there was a gentleman just at your door trying to break in. And as luck would have it, the woman Next door, you, the nurse came home at the exact moment that he was breaking in. He had a large screwdriver in his hand, and he had a towel wrapped around his hand so nobody could see it. And the woman got home, and she saw the guy at our door and said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm here to see the girl inside. And then he turned and took a step towards her. And luckily, she had the friend who had just come up the back set of stairs and startled the guy. And he ran off. 
So this event happened, what, 35, 36 years ago? And I mean, it's still fresh in my mind. It's actually haunted me for most of my life. It's usually uh, the middle of the night that I, I sort of check the doors, check the windows, and have lived a pretty paranoid life, actually. But I'm, I'm getting better. And, um, uh, you know, sometimes it's the things that, that don't happen to us that can cause all the, uh, the night frights. You know, I just think about in the event of a, that, that, that happened, I think about all the things in the day that take a minute to do. Because that could have been the difference between life and death for me. One minute. Putting your dishes in a dishwasher. Getting caught at a red light. Washing your hands. Putting on your shoes. Talking on the phone. Going to a convenience store and and buying a Coke. A minute. Imagine if that woman, who I don't even know her name, even though she's my angel. She probably saved my life and my girlfriend's lives. What would have happened if they wouldn't have shown up at that exact moment? We were fast asleep in bed. Didn't hear anything. We, would, we wouldn't have heard him come in. We, wouldn't have, we would have been at his mercy. And by all accounts, he didn't give much mercy. So I'm grateful, but, but haunted by the randomness of that. Some of the people uh, said that, um, you know, that it wasn't blind luck but it was a divine intervention that I have angels. I think maybe, maybe we all have angels uh, or not. Uh, who knows? I guess that's a matter of faith, isn't it? But um, I want to thank you for listening to this. And uh, please be safe. Be well. Don't live in a building without security doors. And uh, always be careful. Uh...